Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host and king of the boneheads, Ryan Howard, and tonight we are joined by one returning guest and two new ones. Ladies and gentlemen, you are already familiar with the legendary Savage Worlds GM, Carl Kiesler, and uh, tonight we are joined by his co-hosts. On the Wild Die podcast, we have, of course, Gary McCallum joining us. Yay! <laughs> and Eric Lemaru. Guys, welcome yeah. to Rolling Bones. <sighs> hey. I didn't realize you were such a svelte-looking dudester. <laughs> well, thank you. I see why you're streaming, man. You're not fugly like us. That's why you just... <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Sometimes I feel fugly, though. So, in fact, yeah, most I, of the time, every day, everybody just look at Gary when that happens. <laughs> You'll feel send better. You, I'll send you a nudie <laughs> inspiration poster. You'd be like, I don't look like that. I'm good. Gotcha. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Uh, Carl, you are already familiar with this uh, this rigmarole that we're about to go through here. Oh, yeah. Uh, for uh, Gary and Eric, I've got these questions that every first-timer gets asked on Rolling Bones. So we'll kick this off at the very beginning. How did you guys get into RPGs? Want to go, Gary? <laughs> they know the, my the answer. Same, <laughs> the same story that about two million gamers have said. <laughs> Come on. It's the same one. Say it. Uh, my buddy Corey Balfour showed up from uh, Richmond, which is a city that's a couple of miles away in grade three. Uh, he brought with him the red box D&D, keeping the Borderlands, the basic set. And uh, we started playing it in his basement. And it's been a love affair ever since, man. We used to have the best arguments over the most mundane and ridiculous things. Uh, you know, like, uh, like world altering topics. Like if there was only one penny left in the world, <laughs> would it be worth the money? Like, is it worth a thing? We argued about that forever because, you know, and so, yeah, that was, that was my love affair. And then I, I did, I did D&D for 41 years this year. I started when I was eight. I'm 49 this year. And about five, six, seven years ago, I met Eric and uh, yeah, we exchanged phone numbers and had, uh, you know, some sweet, sexy time over the phone and came, came sweet, sweet wild eye podcast lovers. Awesome. <laughs> Look at look at his face. <laughs> that's that's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, for me, I was I was uh, almost yeah about eight years old, and um, back in the day, the same 
because um, I'm from Canada, like Gary, but the French part. And so I read those Choose Your Own Adventure books. And the same publisher that published those books in French also published the uh, Dark Eye, the German RPG translated to French. And I went to um, to get one of those books at the library, but ended up getting the Dark Eye instead and didn't know what it was. My cousin, who's a couple years older than me, had played D&D before, so he knew what that was. And, you know, yeah, started with that. And then Warhammer, Rollmaster, didn't touch D&D till much later in my life, really, compared to most people. So I took a different path and Savage Worlds in 2008. So are you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Now, um, in those first games that you guys actually played in, uh, do you remember who your first characters were? <laughs> That's no. a tough one. <laughs> that's a that's a good question because you know honestly, uh, my basic characters. I I used to have a book. I probably up until maybe I want to say before I moved into this house, I probably had those character sheets. Uh, I had a water leak in my last house. I came home. It sounded like a waterfall going downstairs, and a bunch of my D and D books got ruined, waterlogged because they were in boxes in the basement, and my character sheets were in there. But I bet you I would have had them to this day had that not happened. Gotcha. And between that and the, the character death. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, who were your first like memorable characters? Do do you have memories of of them? Oh yeah, Orpin playing Warhammer. He was a dark elf, minstrel, assassin type of guy, and he fell in love with a a vampire, and he was was chasing her around with a uh, vampire hunter, trying to find her and. His buddy was a, uh, a dwarf, a a troll hunter, uh, troll slayer dude, uh, played by my brother. And we played for years, just two players in the GM, and I love that character. Gotcha. There would have been more, but Eric doesn't have any friends, so he just played with his brother. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a 3D printer now, so he's going to print some. <laughs> yep. I'm surprised that your character wasn't your first character wasn't a rogue with a short sword, man. What's up with that? Oh, it was kind of roguish, right? <laughs> Assassin, minstrel. So, yeah, it's kind of roguish. That's where that love comes from. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's so, fantastic. So, considering the subject matter of the podcast uh, that that you guys do, I think I have an idea of what the answer to this question is going to be. But of all the game systems that you guys have played in. What would you say is your favorite? Gary will surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's about to get fired for saying it. Come on. Don't say, say it. it. Don't say it. Sapwolf. <laughs> Do you know uh, Hanker and Fernail, uh, Brandish Gilhelm? He's uh, drunken in dragons. Mm-hmm. He's got I- a YouTube I know him, and he was on the show uh, back when it was just audio. I actually need to bring him on again now that, now that we stream. He had uh, created ICRPG, mm-hmm. uh, index card role playing game, and I don't want to say that it's my favorite, but it is my it is my 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 top tier spots is tied between the two of them. Because in Savage Worlds, you can't beat Acing Dice. 
plus the character, you know, the the depth of, of which you can create a character with edges and hindrances and then acing dice on top of that just makes Savage Worlds by far, you know, probably sort of the ultimate system. Plus it's universal, so you can play it across the board. doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Learn one system, play space, play Westerns. And I think it's got some of the best settings ever. Like 50 Fathoms by far, I got to say it, is, is just <laughs> Eric's laughing because it's the best, man. Pirates, like fantasy pirates. You got the Atani, like they're a flying winged race of, you got the Grail, which are like walrus dudes and stuff. And it's it's awesome, man. Absolutely. But yeah, I is a is a very simple system it's nice it's light it's easy you don't have to memorize any rules you, you don't do things like you look up well what is um the two what are the two things that happened anyways doesn't matter see i don't even know them because i have to look because <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't read the rules past page 70 and that's why yeah <laughs> there's there's stuff past there in the savage worlds book but yeah, ICRPG and Savage Worlds are my two favorites. And we know who what Eric likes because, I mean, he's just a follower. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah just, just simply simply Savage Worlds for me. It just, you know, I, I, I still read a lot of RPGs and I try them, but less and less because it's just it just felt like a quest to find something better for me than Savage Worlds and I haven't found that that system yet. There's still some very good ones out there, but it's it's much easier, more flexible for me to just run Savage Worlds. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. So for you guys uh you know who who've run a lot of games and stuff like that, um I find that a lot of people have favorite NPCs that always manage to find their way into every single game. Do either of you guys have a forever NPC that, that manages to cross space and time and touch every setting that you run games in? Hmm. What do you mean, you, Eric? You go first. No? No. I mean, <laughs> recurring ones, not really. I, I like the one, the... Uh, kind of Asian barkeep that I ran in the uh, our actual play for a couple of, from a couple of years ago for the Lankmar game. That one was a lot of fun to play and the players liked it. And I also like another Lankmar game when there was a rooftop chase and uh, one of the play uh, the characters fell through and it was in the middle of the night and ended up in a guy's bedroom and the guy was sitting in a chair naked, eating a carrot and petting a goat. And we had this about five or ten minute scene where the guy, the player was just, just didn't know what was going on. And he wanted to leave that room so bad. And that was fun, too. So I feel right now. I just want to leave this room. In that way. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> I got a couple. How about you, Gary? You do all the voices and stuff. Well, I'm telling you, man. I got. Um, have you, do you remember Saturday Night Live way back in the day? There was the two wild and crazy guys. They're like, yeah, the wild. Yeah. So, anyways, I got a guy that's a leather worker because they always end up in a magic shop or something like that. But he was like my my leather worker guy. He he had like a little barbarian loincloth on, and he was always covered in leathering oil. So he was always like tanned and buffed and covered in you know in greasy oils and stuff and he'd be like hey welcome to my leathering shop 
<laughs> come on in. And I would do that guy. Or, or like I like the old grannies and stuff like that. Like, come on, it's time to come and play with the little children's. So I, I always try and throw those in. And not so much actual NPCs except for the leather worker guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, yeah, whatever else I can throw in there, I like to get in there. Mm-hmm. So, so Carl, to, to loop you in here and, and – yeah keep you from just being a spectator in this, this okay. first part um <laughs> since you've answered these questions i just have to ask do yeah. you think gary does a better old lady voice than you do oh yeah definitely <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> oh, that's so sweet you're i can't do sweet. anything like that you go eric now <laughs> <laughs> you're such a sweet well boy. i'll do old lady voices <laughs> well, i tell you what i there think you go you both sound great <laughs> Come over here and rub Granny's bunions. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Amazing. Yeah, you win. <laughs> All right. So you guys have already alluded to this a little bit, but uh, how would you describe your play styles, both as GMs, and then when you get the chance to get on the other side of the screen and actually play? <laughs> you guys know. <laughs> Maybe you should have asked us to describe each other's <laughs> Yeah, let, you know what? Let's do that. Gary, as a player, he's still a GM. He, he wants to control what everybody wants. He'll, he'll, he'll talk to your character and say, hey, why don't you come over here and open that door? Like, he... he, he he takes control of all the characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's face it. Players are dummies, man. They need to be rain. <laughs> got to rain them in. Always got to tell them what to do. And, um, and as a GM, he, um, very animated, very, uh, is very role play style. And he's very, Gary's very prepared. He takes great pride in preparing his games really well. To, to a fault sometimes, because we like to tease him about railroading the game, <laughs> but because he always says, well, if you don't if you don't follow what I prepared, it's going to suck because it's <laughs> a bad time. So he, he's got his maps prepared and his tokens and all that, and he can't wait to show them. And uh, he's fun. You, you, you never, you're never bored in, in Gary's game. I don't know if you can see that that thing that I put in there, but uh, I like to play on Tabletop Simulator. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's basically just a table in a room. So I prepare 3D maps and stuff like that, and I've got my stuff prepped. Like every scene that's going to happen, it's prepped. Uh, I And, you know, this is the thing, too. This is uh, – I enjoy a good solid railroad for this reason. I've prepared the railroad, man. If you don't want to go out down the tracks, we're going to derail the train, and you're going to end up staring at a white sheet of paper, so. Mm-hmm. Right? Get on board the train. We'll have a good time. And uh, <laughs> all aboard. I, th- I think, that t- to be honest, though, in, in, in my defense, if you're playing a game online that is not theater of the mind, and in, you know what I mean, even on Roll20, um, online role playing games are just the kind of things where you sort of have to railroad your players because there's a lot of prep that goes into these things in order to sort of make them go off without a hitch. Um, unless you're going to do theater of the mind, <clears throat> excuse me, which I consider welfare gaming. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Uh, you know I mean? I, that is like, 
I'm not prepared. Let's just do whatever. And I, I don't feel like that has any sort of backbone to it. So I'm a little jaded when it comes to that. But that's let's not talk about me. Let's talk about Eric. Eric, Eric as a player, he is um, bad. Describe this. <laughs> He's very rules lawyer, not rules lawyer-ish, but he knows the rules so well that he is his players will always mechanically put themselves in a position where he will be able to use something on his character sheet to its fullest advantage. Uh, there isn't there isn't a, an actual shot that goes by where Eric doesn't have gang up bonus. He's not taken the aim or you know some other kind of deal that does uh, along you know, something along those lines. So yeah, he's 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 a good role player. Don't get me wrong, but it's more when we when we role play. I would say you're more of a tactical player. You like that bit of making sure that you use the rules and your edges and hindrances to your to your best ability. But as far as a GM goes, he prepares a good game. Don't get me wrong. Fantasy Grounds, man, he's got all the maps. We had this awesome game, um, the one where we where we had to go, um, Pedro Must Die, I think is what it was called. It was probably not that because I mess everything yeah. up. But <laughs> And I played a, um, uh, I played a Mexican um, taco stand guy. And so all of my powers were all uh, burritos and beans and whatnot but that was fantastic but here's the funny thing that i love to rib eric about we're we're in for a three-hour game and at two hours and 59 seconds doesn't matter where we're at in the adventure eric's like okay tell me how we win this game (laughs) (laughs) three three hours and one minute into it okay see you later guys click (laughs) (laughs) and it's fantastic it takes you off guard the first time you're like hey what happened to our adventure right but after a while you you grow to appreciate the fact that you're there for three hours and then you're out and it's good you can make plans playing with eric that's what i'm saying <laughs> he's got stuff to do man right <laughs> now now carl do you do you generally agree with with both sentiments tossed tossed around here well i've never played with gary or or anything like that i, I want to because i want to be experience these maps they sound they sound and look amazing from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. I have um, played. I have run a game for Eric before, and his, he's pr- Gary's pretty spot on. He's he watches and he he's uh, very tactical when it comes to combat. He knows the rules like inside out, and he'll help people and stuff like that. But he doesn't take over. So yeah, it's fun playing with Eric. Uh, we played over at Genghis Khan. I ran a game for him. Gotcha. Yeah, on the yeah. cruise too. Yep, on the cruise. Yep. Now, Eric, yeah. I have only uh, seen what some of Carl's games look like from the prep side and, and the outside. I've never been in one of his games. From your perspective, what's what's that like? Because I think they look awesome, but you've, you've played in one, so. Yeah, well, yeah, I've played in two of his games, one on the cruise and one at Genghis. Yeah, uh, yeah his preparation is spot on. It's just amazing people taking pictures um and also is gming i mean we just concluded a series on running one shots on on the wild eye and we it was like 10 episodes long we went through like every little detail that he goes through to put it together and it's really well thought out and uh I mean, you might look at his setup and say, okay, that's all he does. But no, he's actually a pretty good GM, too. He knows the rules, and he knows how to make sure everybody has fun around the table. So I think even without all of that, he would 
you would still be, you know, top 10 Savage Rules GMs out there easy. So, yep. Carl's no one pony, but Eric's no slouch either, to be honest. Let's give Eric some credit where credit is due. Um, We fly down to Con and the Cobb um, in October, November, the last couple of two years or something like that. And the last game we went to after Eric um, came out with his wise guy setting for Savage Worlds. Uh, we did this fantastic thing where he had this pyramid that he had built, like an actual full-on pyramid, but the top of the pyramid was was a uh, like a casino room. It was like, I don't know, whatever the place is in Vegas that it's called, but it was set up like that. Yeah. And so there was like all these little palm trees, and we had a little disco dance area and a little couch, and like, you know, he, he it was as good as Carl's stuff. Carl's getting yeah. a run for his money with <laughs> Eric's stuff. They, their in-person game prep is is the equivalent as to what I do for online stuff. Cause you should see my in-game stuff, man. We're, I got little papers that I cut out with scissors. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Mine's a sham, but yeah, these guys are both champs. Eric makes yeah. some cool stuff, man. You should show yeah. them that. Well, you can see it if you're, if, if, if you're looking Ryan in the back by Eric's head, mm-hmm. you can see the shelf. There's a, a sweet looking 3d printed hot air balloon back there. Yeah. He's the craftsmaster man. He's got a 3D printer now, and he's building some kick-ass stuff. Pretty soon, you're going to be saying you're going to be singing the praises of Eric Lamoureux, and you'll be like Carl, who, yeah. <laughs> who that? <laughs> that pyramid he made was amazing, man. I I use that. We played in that in the Wise Guys game. You used that, and you used it again in uh, a Conan game, right? A Conan, yeah, Beasts and Barbarians. Yeah. That's a great idea. You make one great piece, one terrain piece, and you use it in different games yeah. for the same con. It's amazing. It was you really no Carl is that he made the pyramid and then he's like I got to make another game to use this pyramid because I spent so much time making the pyramid. <laughs> well, that's smart, man. Yeah, well, it's just I was posting pictures online. I was making it for Beasts and Barbarians, and one of the guys that was coming to the con, a friend of ours, he's like, "What is that for, wise guys?" And I'm at first I'm like, "What well, is, is he stupid? It's like <laughs> like a Mayan pyramid." Yeah. And now I'm like, "Wait a minute." That could be a casino in Vegas. So For that's sure. where I started changing. I bought little keychain uh, slot machines that I used, and I made a bunch of stuff with it and then made like a dragon, a Chinese dragon uh, out of, uh, I don't know, some junk and a uh, Spyro toy. And <laughs> that one everybody loved, and it was the, one of the cheapest thing I've ever put together, <laughs> but people liked it, so. Yes, cool stuff. Yeah. So you know what they do at conventions? Take pictures of your theater of the mind game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> get famous for that. I mean, you're, you're talking to a guy who started theater of the mind because, like you said, it is um, to use your words, welfare gaming, but. Once I got introduced to miniatures and terrain, I have not looked back since. Uh, Much to the uh, chagrin of my wife as miniatures just take over my office. (laughs) Yeah. space. But you know what? The the thing is, some people are really good storytellers. Mm -hmm. And just just with a theater of the mind game... they can run a really, really good game, but you take—I don't know if uh, Carl feels the same—but he's a bit more 
quiet like me, introvert, and we're not like as good with words and stuff like that and making voices and characters. So I think it's like compensating, like we got other talents and we're just going to do that instead. And instead of having to come up with some poetic uh, way of describing a scene, we're just going to make it for you and put it in front of your face and there it is. I don't have to describe it. Look, that's what it is. That's it. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I totally get where Eric's coming from. I'm usually uh, the quiet guy and everything, but when I make something I put on the table, everybody's all into it then. And I can, I can play off of that. So if they say, Hey, is there a chandelier in this bar that you put out in front of us? Of course there is. Yes, there is. You know, Mm-hmm. You just, you, you, one ride it goes into another and then i think the terrain pieces are like a starting a good starting point to to help guys like eric and i mm-hmm. it's always nice it's always nice to have something within arm's reach to throw at your crappy players too right <laughs> exactly that's another bonus <laughs> so of all you know the the time that you guys have played rpgs i know People like us who make content around RPGs, we have a lot of very good memories tied up with our games. If you had to pick a fondest RPG memory, what would it be? Oh, I know. I know. Because this is awesome. (laughs) It's not going to be awesome, and I'll probably explain it horribly. Um, I like playing priests. That's my deal. I played in this second edition game, first first edition uh, D&D with my buddy Jay from Nerd Haven, and I played this priest that was a pacifist. So the entire time that I was, you know, in, in playing this game, I never did anything to anybody that I didn't like absolutely have to. But my whole thing was not to shoot anybody. I even, I even had a, a carriage that we had custom built so that there was a hidey hole box in the bottom of it. And anytime we got into combat, I would jump into the bottom of the carriage and I would slide the door open and I would cast my healing spells and then slide the door back so that I was completely <laughs> hidden. But I had. And catcher, because man catchers, they're not really deadly weapons. We went into this old wasteland and we had to fight this like ogre guy. I can't remember exactly what it was, but everybody's in there fighting. And I'm like, you know, the, the, the pacifist that I am, I'm hanging outside of the bloody building. And then people are starting to go down and I can hear the, you know, the death throes of my party from inside. And I'm like, I don't want to go in. I don't want to fight. And so anyways, one of them goes down and they're all screaming for help. So I finally run into the building and it's just me, just as I'm making my way inside, it's just me and the boss man left because he's taken down the last character. <laughs> he's got like one or two hit points left. And so he's defeated everybody and I'm it. And I've got my man catcher and I run up to him and he's he's well past like my level and whatnot. But I slam him with my with my man catcher and I needed an absolute 20 just to, just to get this guy and damned if I didn't roll it. So I, I entangle this guy, and for the next three rounds, he's trying to break out of it. But if you've got a man catcher, if you don't succeed on breaking out of it, uh, you take one to two points of damage. <laughs> I, I killed the boss. Well, the boss killed himself on the <laughs> catcher because he couldn't get out with his two or three hit points that he had left. And then I healed, I healed everybody, and I won the fight. <laughs> <laughs> My most useless character. But that was, that was freaking fantastic. That thing all ended in this weird... We shot to the future, and um, which actually, no, we shot to the past, and in the past, it was like an Earth-like thing, like, you know, modern day kind of a deal, and we sort of did this dark noir thing kind of a deal, and then we ended up setting off a nuclear blast, and then that's where it ended, in the, in the nuclear blast, but the premise was that 
we were actually the people that caused the apocalypse, even though we didn't know it because we came back from the future to start the And that was really cool. That was a pretty neat twist. Mm-hmm. Fabulous campaign. <laughs> Take a deep breath, Gary. It was good. Yeah. That's not wrong. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh, go ahead, uh, Carl. Oh, I answered these already in another podcast. Uh, did you? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, well, favorite RPG moment. Uh, I think uh, I think going on the Savage Cruise earlier this year was pretty awesome. Uh, a week of gaming. Got to play in some games, run a bunch of games, and hang out with, uh, with Shane, Shine Wright, and... Plant and Jody and Christopher Landauer, Chris Fox, all these guys. It was wow. Somebody's was fun. You don't know those people. Yep. <laughs> well, you didn't say Gloop. Why wasn't Gloop your favorite? <laughs> I hate Gloop. Gloop is one of Gary's character in the last Parsec Iron Gate. He, he lost a character that was killed, and he liked that character in the the Orville that that puddle of oh, yeah, snot yeah. that that talks. Yeah, so he wanted yeah. to play that. Yeah, he wanted to play that, and I thought it was just the stupidest thing ever. I hated it. He just it was just such a cool, immersive. A gritty game that I was enjoying, and I was my care. I was I was starting to get into my character a little bit, and then he just he was just over the top comic relief character that just didn't fit what I was feeling about this campaign, and he just ruined it for me. And I hate him for that. I rode around a bucket of dirty water. <laughs> Turned into the gloop show. Yeah, so it's a running running gag on the show now that we try to bring up Gloop all the time. Oh look, as a dedicated fan of both the Orville and Norm Macdonald, I cannot blame you for that. So that guy, that character was awesome. Eric just had to yuck my yum all the time, man. <laughs> so. I think we might have just heard one of Eric's, but, you know, every time we play the game, you know, we play with all these different kinds of people. Some of them we love and they become our best friends. Some of them we just don't click with. And the worst of these, uh, we have this term of that guy for. So if you guys have a that guy story that you're comfortable sharing on the show, uh, I would love to hear it. <laughs> Peace out. Aimless. <laughs> I was playing in this live, like in-person game, and we were, we were it was sort of a Western deal. That's where that's where my character Weepy Peepy came from. Um, it was my buddy Jay had this. Uh, um, we we were chasing this elven, uh, elven uh, Indian woman in sort of like a first edition offshoot of of like a Western. Mm-hmm. So we had to go to what is, what is essentially like um, if you're familiar with with Deadlands for Savage Worlds, the mm-hmm. islands on the on the coast of California, they're all broken up. And, and you know what I mean? Yeah. And so there was like, the, it's called the maze is what it's called. Mm-hmm. So we went to, we went to this so, sort of so-called maze and we're with our party members and stuff like that. And, and we go into this room and we're chasing this guy. And as we get into the room, this guy like strikes, tries to like take one of us out. And so all of a sudden we're like attacking him. And I don't know what happened, but this guy that we were playing with all of a sudden was like trying to defend this character. Like he's trying to role play his, his character or whatever. 
And so he's like, he, he starts attacking us. And so then we ended up killing him. And then he was mad in real life because we killed him. And we're like, dude, th- <laughs> like, that's the, why we came in here was to kill this guy. Why did you defend him? And he was like, well, I didn't see any of this stuff. And I'm like, but you're sitting at the table. You know, we're chasing this guy for weeks. Anyways, he's not gonna he's not gonna be named, but let's just say that was the last time we played with that guy. In fact, it was the second time I played with that guy where he ended up going full PvP right at the end. Him and his buddy were sitting there on their cell phones texting each other like little geeks, and they're like, "All right, let's do this maneuver." <laughs> now I'm angry. Can we talk about fifty so I can? <laughs> Uh, for me yeah i remember a guy and he made me hate uh dnd 3.5 forever i stopped playing after that i think or i was glad that 40 came came around because it was very balanced but flavorless so I, i just moved down here from from canada and i was trying to get a group going so online i found some people and so these two guys come in and one of them you can tell he was he was the kind of guy that wouldn't really play D unless it was just to hang out with his buddies and he was really about min maxing and i just started running 3.5 maybe a year and there's a lot to digest and he's like can i play this half I think you wanted you had a half ogre, half dragon build fighter thing, and he was just min maxed like crazy to the point where he was much stronger than the rest of the party. So if I threw something that would challenge the other players, their characters, he would just wipe them out. And then if I threw something at him to challenge him these creatures would wipe out the rest of the party. That was just how bad it was. And he had fun playing that way, just power gaming the whole thing and having a build to push the I win button. And uh, yeah, I I didn't invite them back after that. And I didn't play 3.5 again. (laughs) You know, I don't know how many times I have to apologize for that. And last of these introductory questions, this one uh, has caused some people to uh, get a little bit uh, flummoxed or confused. The answer can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. But if you could put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? I don't know what either of those words are, but I'd put real boobs on them. (laughs) I would just have a boob t-shirt that I would just wear and then I could just play with them the whole time. I'd be working and touching them. and That's <laughs> what I would do. It's got to be useful, right? Yeah. Did you mean like a saying or something like that? Cause... I said anything. <laughs> we weren't expecting anything smart. You're good. <laughs> I can't limit it to sayings because I've had my friends come on the show and one of them said a functioning koi pond. So, <laughs> Right. Why wouldn't you get a t-shirt that had like a third arm? Or you could get a t-shirt that had, what's the octopus guy from Spider-Man that Doc has Ock? like eight? Yeah. yeah, Doc Ock, man. You get one of those, like, a, or a t-shirt with a jetpack on the back. <laughs> you know, all these things that I'm thinking of for you, Eric. Just take one of them. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
I know what Eric. Uh, Eric would get a T-shirt that had the guy from Total Recall. <laughs> the little two face weeks. Guy. No, whatever the little face. Oh, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> then you'd have somebody to talk to. Quantum on a shirt. Yeah, quantum. Except I would be Quato. That's I think that's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I'd catcall the ladies, and then Eric would get in fights. <laughs> good but bad at the same time. Uh, I think I would put like two colon fifty nine colon fifty nine on it. <laughs> Did you get it, Gary? <laughs> He's trying to do the math. <laughs> Two hours, fifty nine minutes, and fifty nine <laughs> seconds. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. And then I'm out at the bottom. I <laughs> uh, just get Quato. Time it off. He can tell you when the game's almost over. Game's almost over. <laughs> yeah. If you had a t-shirt with a deep fryer on it, you could just deep fry all the stuff that you eat. <laughs> Man, this is such a great question. That was an awesome question, buddy. That was good. I, I wish cool. I could take credit for that one. but I think that we should create a setting where you have a t-shirt <laughs> that does things. And everybody has like, their own t-shirt, and that's your superpower. You just put your t-shirt Yep. A t-shirt, arcane background. Savage shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Absolutely. Well, Carl, to, to kind of loop you back into the conversation here a little bit, as you, you've yeah. been kind of a spectator here. As Oh, that's you know, cool. I'm enjoying myself. These guys answer <laughs> these questions. Um, and this is, this is open for everyone, but we've had so many uh, settings now converted to suede. Um you know, Deadlands, they just did the Kickstarter. Uh, Interface Zero had a Kickstarter not too terribly long ago. In you guys' opinions, what settings that have not already gotten the suede treatment should kind of be, be next for uh, a suede update? Or what do you hope is next for a suede update? Hmm. Like an official Pinnacle one? Is that what you mean? Well, yeah. Yeah, any of the ones that Pinnacle uh, actually publishes themselves, yeah. Or you could go for, for something that's uh, published kind of outside of Pinnacle. I'm thinking. Go ahead, Eric. Well, ETU, sure. E ETU has got to be, I don't want to say, well, 50 Fathoms is my favorite, but ETU has to be right up there. It is so good. It is such a sleeper game that people just, I, I'm, yeah, I don't know. People don't seem to play it, it that it has a It has a uh, conversion document already. Never mind the conversion document. I want like full in written in the book. You, so you want to pay it again? You want to pay for it again? Just <laughs> two pages difference? <laughs> Deadlands twice. They could switch it up. They can maybe they move it out of Texas and it's going to be East Ohio, Pennsylvania. What is the what is the name of your local university or your whatever there? Have they got mascots? There's, there's three. <laughs> pick pick one and tell me of the cool mascot that they have. Well, all of a sudden I feel like I'm in a no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the Ohio. Oh. 
I, I think what would be cool, um, a very old one, is the um, man. Um, what's the name? I can't think of the name. The one of the first fantasy ones that came out. It was just a module. Help me out. I, all I can think of is Evernight, but that was like a full on. Yeah, Evernight. Yeah, right. Evernight. Yes. I feel like I won a prize. I think, uh, yeah, if, if Pinnacle is missing something, it's a traditional fantasy. Although it's not really traditional with the alien invasions and, and all that. But I think an expansion with Suede and, you know, not just the adventure, a bit more to it, a bit more sandboxy, maybe, you know, plot point campaign instead. Because I thought it was just so original when I when I first read that one. I would like to see an official. I know they made a Ghostbusters game back in the day, um, West End Games, but I'd like to see an official Savage Worlds take on Ghostbusters. Like, there's all kinds of like I, I just got finished running a couple campaigns of it and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, you could do it. But I'd like to see an official like writers behind it. See what plot points they come up with. See what Savage Tales they can come up with with all Ghostbusters type. So you make your own Ghostbuster and. They start their own franchise or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. Absolutely. I've recently been on a bit of a uh, Solomon Kane kick, so I'm I'm I know there's a conversion document out there for it, but I'd like to see a a new version of uh, Solomon Kane. Well, you're gonna get your wish because it's coming out. Awesome. Oh, actually, no, because they lost the license. That's why everything went on sale last year. You could get. Oh, it was yeah. the last chance to get all the books, so I got I got the bundle. So they lost it. Gotcha. Did did uh, did Modifius pick it up with the Conan license or? Mm, no, I don't think went? anybody. Yeah, I don't think anybody picked it up. Not that I know of, anyway. So if they're if they're doing the hardcover book, then who do you think? What mechanics are they going to use? Hardcover book for what, Gary? For Solomon Kane. Wasn't that what we were talking about? No. Oh, never mind. They I'm were they were getting rid of their stock. They after I think uh, December thirty first. <clears throat> excuse me. They weren't allowed to sell Solomon Kane anymore, so they just had a big sale. Now you can't buy it. I'm confusing my suzerain with Solomon Kane. <laughs> yeah, that's not the same thing at all. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, another aspect of Solomon Kane that is now being parked somewhere and not used. <laughs> yeah, I, I ran it. Solomon Kane is awesome. S- such a great plot point campaign, great characters. I've, I've been trying for the longest time to determine whether or not I'm actually related to Robert E. Howard. The chances are very low because he didn't have any kids, but... I, I'm not good at using those like Ancestry.com things, so I may never find out. And I'm probably <laughs> not. For right now? It's just something I'd like to know for my own edification. <laughs> or disappointment. <laughs> oh, I'm sure in the next year you'll find out he was some kind of racist or something like that, and then people will try and cancel him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've already tried. <laughs> well, 
we have this uh, this podcast that you guys do now, and and we've alluded to some of the uh, the beginnings of it, but I'd like to hear kind of how it came together, what the original idea was, and then Carl, how you ended up uh, in the mix, as it were. Okay. Well, yeah, while that podcast, well, five years now, it started out with uh, Jamie Pearson and his buddy Blaine. And um, after like five episodes, they invited me over. I knew them a little bit. We game together. And I think five or six episodes later, uh, Jamie didn't want to do the show anymore and just gave me the show. So I needed some new co-hosts and uh, reached out to Gary and Harrison and Nick. And we started the show again, a reboot of the show that we yeah, so it's been going four years since then. A bunch of different co-hosts came and went. We had uh, Manuel Sams. We had um, uh, Paris. Paris Conte. Yeah, Paris Conte. And um, yeah, Bruce, last year, um, Harrison wasn't going to do the show anymore. He wasn't interested. Because when, when you're doing a show for this long, people's interests change and their lives change and it, it's a big commitment even if you just sit there and talk i mean at some point you're not interested in a, in a system anymore so you know people they go sometimes and that's all right but uh and then yeah well carl can talk about uh, how we joined the show <laughs> Yeah, we met each other on the uh, was it the cruise first? It was Savage. Yeah, cruise. yeah. It's a warm summer's night. Yeah, a nice ocean breeze wafting off the rails <laughs> along the deck of the ship. It, it was, was really right on the cruise. <laughs> Eric walked with his beer, and Carl had some kind of mai tai, and the two of them bumped into each other gently. They looked each other in the eyes. <laughs> this is what happened. Oh, yeah, sorry. exactly. <laughs> there was more dice involved, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, we, yeah, we. I met Eric on the cruise. We both went on the Savage cruise and ran a bunch of games, and um, we just got to talking and stuff. And uh, um, and then we, it was almost like two weeks later. I think it was. We went to Genghis Khan in Colorado right after the cruise, and we knew we could talk more there, so we did. We hung out a little bit more there at the Genghis Khan, and he asked me. Um, he was thinking about. Re, uh, kind of redoing the show a little bit, making a shorter format um, a little bit. And uh, he'd asked me to come on to talk about uh, convention gaming and how I set up my games and stuff like that. So we just got finished uh, with a huge series of, I don't know how many episodes of talking about uh, how to make a convention game and one shots. And even we even divulge into, you know, your regular gaming session, you know, how, how that can, you can help build that and make it better and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been uh, it's been really fun, really great. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so as far as the format of the show, is it very much like that typically where you guys have a topic that you'll stay on for a few episodes and then, you know, find a, a new topic within kind of the savage world's ethos to, to talk about, or h- how does that work kind of historically and, and moving forward? Well, at first it was with Jamie and Blaine, it was basically two guys learning Savage Worlds. So they would just go through something really simple and discuss it and mess it up. And 
have people, uh, you know, write emails and tell them they did it wrong and all that. When, when I took over, I, I wanted to have fun with it because I knew the personalities I had on the show, Gary. You've just had a sample of what what he can do, and Harrison. So the the mandate was to inform, but also uh, entertain, mostly enter- entertain, and also to showcase the the community. And that's what we did for about four years, mostly in kind of roundtable format. But then when Harrison left, who was our tech guy, he was the the guy who mixed the episodes because he's he's awesome with with that technology. Uh, it was going to be either Gary or uh, myself doing it, and I didn't want to have to edit a two hour recording down and take all afternoon to do that. So I wanted to switch to shorter format and more focused, more informative. Because, you know, we had done the whole roundtable and some topics really were really controversial. There were some feelings hurt from some people when we did these things and from some of the co-hosts. Also, we lost some co-hosts from that. So, you know what? We did that and I don't regret it, but it was just time to do something different. So now, yeah, we do more focused uh, series or topic and always I've, I've wanted to put the uh, Savage Rules angle on our topics because there's a lot of RPG podcasts out there that just talk about RPGs in general and how to run a session but I am try I try to bring the Savage Rules angle to whatever topic we have and you know we were just I think we're hitting our stride now with the new format and we, I wanted it to be 20 minutes, and now we're up to 45 minutes. <laughs> That's it. Keeps, you know, it's easy to just turn the mic on and talk and talk and talk. And <clears throat> the more coasts you have, the longer it takes. And then you got Gary who wants to talk about 50 fathoms every episode, or <laughs> as a side story that's not related to the topic at all. So, you know. <laughs> Now, Gary, 50 Fathoms does have a, uh, a suede rule set now, right? No, it, it, it uh, actually conversion. It doesn't. Yeah, there's a conversion. But I don't know if you know this, Eric, but in Fantasy Grounds Unity, um, Aki is the guy's name that does the Savage Worlds um, sort of module for Fantasy Grounds Unity. He actually converted uh, 50 Fathoms into a suede. There is a suede conversion, but it's only in, 50, it's only in Fantasy Grounds Unity. Mm-hmm. So fortunately they don't, but we know how to use conversion documents, but Erica has to just fool in my party all the time. <laughs> I still want, I still want a suede version. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Absolutely. Now, is that one that Pinnacle does themselves or is that one that uh, is done by someone else? That is an original, I don't know if it's Pinnacle, but it was Shane Hensley is the writer of it. And then gotcha. Shane Wright. Uh, he's the guy that did all the artwork on it and stuff like that. But it is it is touted as one of the best plot point campaigns. The story is fantastic. The characters are amazing that you can play. And, yeah, I mean, just everything about it. It's a small enough world that you don't have to read a ton of stuff. The book is relatively small. There's enough, um, uh, like, little side quests and adventures that you can go on. Plus, it's pirates. 
mm-hmm. you know, like that. That's awesome. And pirates are, are like, you know, playing cowboys and Indians is cool in its own way. And pirates is cool in its, in its, but that's the, the thing that I really like about it is the fantasy aspect. Like that really hits a stride for me. See, and now I'm just going to start talking about 50 fathoms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Right. The characters are fantastic. The, the plot point is wicked. It's super cool. The, I've played it so many times now that I have, to, I have to tell Shane that he messed up. There's some information in there that's not in the right spot. And I'm damn not happy about it. But <laughs> I would like a, I would like a second 50 Fathoms Part 2 to come out. We can you know, pick another story because now well, I can't say any more than that. But we could write another plot campaign for that. There is some new material that just came out called fire and earth. And, uh, yeah, it takes place in the town of, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, we're, we'll, we'll end it there. 50 fathoms is awesome. Everybody should play it. I not, not to belabor it because I'm sure that, that Carl and Eric are now about to pull their hair out. Cause I've, <laughs> I've opened that particular, uh, Pandora's box, but, I, I have found there, there's kind of a lack of good pirate games out there. So hearing that there's a good uh, Savage Worlds pirate setting is, is good to hear. Because I definitely have players that I could hook with something like that. Yeah, there's there's three now, so. Yeah, but the other ones don't, they don't matter. They're, they're, I'm not saying <laughs> bad, but, they, you know, you have, you have 50 Fathoms is like on the top tier. And these guys are still trying to get on the ladder. Like, let's face it. That's how good <laughs> 50 Fathoms is. Absolutely. So there was this event coming up in in September, Savage Worlds event that I was really looking forward to. That, of course, being uh, Savage Expeditions Deadwood. Uh, it's been moved kind of into twenty twenty one, and and with that uh, move, I just have to ask: Are are any of you guys planning on going to Deadwood whenever the uh, the new date is announced? Is that something that's kind of on your radar for for this next year? I would like to. I mean, it seems pretty cool. Um, I was thinking about going this year, but things happen, you know, with COVID-19 and things happen when I work and it was like impossible for me to take any days off. So, um, and of course they canceled it though. But, <laughs> but yeah, next year that'd be, I would really like to think about going to that. That's, that's pretty dang cool to play. You play Deadlands and Deadwood. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be yeah, cool. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you guys? Yeah, so so the Savage Cruise was the first expedition. And uh, so Deadwood, I don't know. We'll have to see what the financial situation is or if I get invited or I don't know. We'll we'll see. But you're you're in the Denver area, aren't you? Uh, so I'm actually in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> my, my Skype thing says Denver. That's actually Denver, North Carolina, where I'm from. But, wow, okay. Never but mind. <laughs> I, I'm in Nashville, but I'm definitely – I want to go to South Dakota. Uh, I want to go to a Savage Worlds convention. And uh, like, like Carl said, playing Savage Worlds in Deadwood, uh, specifically Deadlands in Deadwood, sounds awesome. And, and so I, that's yeah. definitely on my yep. radar. Plus the, the the Rocky Mountain Savages, Landauer and Fox. I mean, they they put together great events, so yeah. I'm I'm sure it would be awesome. Yeah, really great guys. What's um What's the name of the convention? The Savage Worlds is that the one that you went to in Denver, where it's Genghis. sort of like luminaries. Yeah, Genghis. Is that where all the luminaries were? Yeah, Genghis Khan is probably the biggest Savage Worlds convention there is. 
then uh whoa sorry we got uh <laughs> oh. <laughs> i might lose power here uh then there's also mace mace is pretty big for savage worlds also chupacabra and, uh, chupacabra con yeah those are the main three probably con on the cob used to be really big with savage worlds but not anymore there's still about three or four games around the clock running there but compared to genghis that has you know just over a hundred games <laughs> over a weekend that's just crazy and great great gms too big names if you want to game with you know creators of the game or writers and stuff it's awesome now, is that Mace in uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina that, that you were talking about there? Yeah. Gotcha. Because that's that's the one gaming convention that I've uh, that I've been to and and run games at. That's actually where I met Shane and how I got into Savage Worlds was going to that convention. Uh, but not living in Charlotte anymore, I uh, haven't been in the past couple of years. So. Right. I think you the one close to you is with Chattanooga. That's the closest one. Yeah, because Nashville does not have... For some reason, Nashville does not have a big RPG convention, which just seems dumb to me. Maybe maybe it's now on me to put that together. Yeah, plus we got a good buddy of ours, uh, Uncle J. Raz from the Murder Hobo Show. He's in, in Nashville right now, so I'm sure he'd help you. That's sweet, sweet, man. Yeah, you could be his new favorite. <laughs> Yeah, if you're looking for a player, I mean, we'll, we'll hook you up. Uncle Jay's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing. One struggle that I found with Savage Worlds, I love it. And I love all the you know different settings, uh, official and unofficial, all the different things you can do with it. Uh, Carl was the, the, the Morpheus to my Neo in, in that particular instance of... You know you can do all of this with Savage Worlds as well. I was like, no, I did not know that. But my players, uh, everyone I know is so kind of involved in 5th edition D&D. It, I find it hard to kind of pull people away from from that uh, that particular drug of an RPG and, and get them to, to try Savage Worlds. So how, how do you guys recommend going about bringing people who've not ever played Savage Worlds into the savage worlds mm. we well don't gary's them. pretty big and strong so they don't have a choice yeah we don't want to you stay there and play your stupid dnd we'll be over here with that cool kid's table drinking <laughs> beers and playing savage worlds yeah no, just... no, I, th- I think gary's got a point and going to conventions usually I'm, I'm not saying that other games are boring the way people play but if you've ever watched a group of Savage Worlds played a game. Everybody is cheering and loud and in your face because you got the acing of the dice, you got the jokers, you got the cards and everything. And I think probably just just run your game for other people in front of them and watch them, you know, because D and D usually look at your character sheet and finding the the right power that you want to use and stuff and another thing too is go with um with pop uh, pop culture like 
while we we talked about it on the show and what carl does he'll take a famous movie that everybody knows and lets you play that with a twist you know and it's easy to sell that idea to people because if you tell them hey let's play necessary evil i mean it's an awesome game but it doesn't ring a bell to anybody they don't know what it what it is or solomon kane nobody knows who solomon kane is unless you're a diehard howard fan right but tell them we're gonna play i don't know terminator versus uh aliens and they'll be like what that's a game <laughs> then they'll want to play it right so absolutely what, what was the game that you did with the guy from um what's his face we all played him it was it was like everybody played the same character we just yeah, played it was league, league of extraordinary, extraordinary nicholas cage versus okay. zombies so. <laughs> Jesus. We, all, we all played a Nicolas Cage character from one of his movies, which was fantastic. Amazing. I was the pickup truck on top of the pickup truck, and as we were riding, I was on it like full auto, just gunning stuff down. They hit the brakes. I did a full on acrobatic maneuver to fly off the top of it, and I landed it, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it's good stuff, man. League of, League of Extraordinary Nicolas Cages, or, or uh, was that what it was? It was awesome. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> somebody played batman um i can't remember i think i played i played the um, big daddy big daddy yeah kick ass yeah kick ass it's awesome that's the thing you know like trying to get people to come over and play savage worlds everybody is just so hooked it's like they have blinders on and they just want to play D because it's the first thing that they come across it's sort of the thing they know but they get into these comfort zones and stuff like that and you know i i I can't really sort of shit talk anybody because I did the same thing for 40 years. Let's, you know, I played basically every edition of D and D from the freaking from basic through expert first edition, second edition. I had kids between third and fourth. So I didn't play those, but I came back when fifth was around and I played that for a couple of years. And then uh, one day I was like, <clears throat> there's gotta be other good systems out here to play. I was asked one of the guys at nerd Haven. He's like, try savage worlds, man. It's a universal system. So you only have to sort of learn one set of rules you can play all of these different genres. I was like, okay, that sounds cool. I started reading it, and it was like somebody lifted the friggin' blinders off of me and in the, like shined the holy light. It was like somebody opened the lid of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I'm like, why? Why <laughs> didn't nobody ever show me this before? Because it's like three three wounds. That's way better than counting hit points. Mm-hmm. Cards down for initiative. That's way better than what did you roll? Add your dexterity. Is that with or without your dexterity? And then you got to write them down, and then you got to shuffle them or, or put the little clips on top. Like. Pfft. You know what I mean? Like Savage Worlds is so awesome. You take jokers like Eric was talking about. Those things land on the table and everybody's like, yeah, bennies, right? Rerolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many good things about it. And people, you know, they're just missing out because D&D is the first thing they get. They don't look to play other things. Mm-hmm. I know. Go-, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it took a long time for um, uh, man, I, for Victor Diaz, my co-host for one of the other podcasts that I was doing, it took a long time for him to convert me from Savage Worlds to ICRPG, like probably a solid six months before I actually bought the book. And he just kept saying, it's really good. It's really good. He'd be like, ICRPG fixes it this way. And so, yeah, that's how I started playing that. Now I have two, two true, well, three between Eric, ICRPG and Savage Worlds. I have three clubs. Carl will get there. He's working his way up the rung. Cool, man. Thank you. <laughs> no, but I, um, I got a bunch of people at work to into uh, Savage Worlds. We actually, um, uh, a guy at work actually 
ran a fifth edition for us for a little bit. They they're they were brand new to role playing in general. These a bunch uh, this group at work, and uh, they wanted to they wanted to play something because Stranger Things had came out, and they're like, oh yeah, what's this D and D thing? Let's let's get into that. And this other guy, Will, he was like, yeah, I'll run some D and D for you guys. And and he he ran a good game. He ran a fun game, but through work stuff and uh, things uh, happen where he couldn't run it anymore. So they they know that I run Savage Worlds, and they're like, well, what's that game like? I'm like, okay, so you play D and D. Let's play some Savage Worlds and we'll, let's make some characters up and let's let's see what we can do. And um, I started with ETU with these guys, with this group, and they loved it. They loved, like what Eric said, they loved the cards. They loved the bennies. It was much more exciting than D&D. Like nobody was just sitting there looking at their paper. They were just like, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? And, you know, when the, when the cards and bennies are flying, it's just, it's just, it just clicked for them. And now I'm taking a little break from... I'm still gaming with these people online and I have to take a little break because I'm just super swamped with, with work and everything. And, um, one of the girls from the game, I asked her if she can take over. She goes, well, I thought about this, but I'm going to stick with savage worlds. I like savage worlds. I played that other game, but let's go with savage worlds. So she's going to be a savage worlds GM and she's going to take out. So just try to invite people over and do a one shot or do something, uh, you know, start a new campaign with these people and just show them, like go through the motions of everything in the game that, that Savage Worlds has to offer, like bennies and cards and uh, conviction po- tokens. And there's all kinds of cool stuff in that game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do that series about running great one shot, because usually that's all you need to convince people to, to like well to fall in love with savage worlds really it's just one game but you only get one shot right yep. i know me if someone runs a game a new game system and messes it up i'm probably never going to pick up that game again so we want to make sure that people run great first games and so hopefully people listening to the show, they pick up on that and run a great game like Carl's uh, friend there. And, you know, he did that. And now he's got a whole group converted. Yeah. And I, I wish that had been around uh, when I was first uh, trying to uh, to get people into Deadlands. Now, this was Deadlands Classic. This was not Savage Worlds. Um but I I created probably one of the shittiest games in existence uh, <laughs> that that I've referred to as the Deadlands incident for uh, ever since, and I've told this story several times, Carl. I I believe I told you this story as well. But basically, what happened was uh, there was a player who brought a date to the game, and she was not super interested in what was going on. And started throwing my poker chips around the room. Not like maliciously throwing them, but like throwing them up in the air and they landed under the couch. And then there was a player who was wanted and a player who was a bounty hunter. And they had zero interest in my story about uh, John Wesley Harden. So they decided they were going to... uh, the, The bounty hunter was trying to bring in the wanted man... And that was a whole ordeal. Man. (laughs) 
It, it happens to the best of us, you know. <laughs> We've all done it and ran a really crappy game that makes you want to quit the hobby, basically. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and one thing that I found in... I, I found this to be true almost universally across any genre outside of fantasy with the groups that I've been in. If you suggest a different genre... Initially, everyone gets super excited because it's something different. It's something novel. But then once you get through character creation and you actually get to that first session, everyone's already kind of burnt out on this new novel genre. And at that point, it kind of dies at the one shot if you're lucky. If you're not lucky, it dies after the first turn. Uh, but then everyone just kind of goes back to medieval fantasy at that point, and I'm trying to find my way out of that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. The I think the trick to doing that is is to play a setting wherein you don't have to, or or you you don't have to expect your players to know anything. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what makes Eric's Wise Guy so fantastic because everybody that's alive today can relate to 1985. You know, I mean, people our age, maybe not the the youngsters, but everybody's seen um, mafia movies and the mobsters and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, like, you don't have to teach people the backstory or any of that kind of stuff, which is which is why I think he's got a you know a unique setting in that sense, which is why you should place things like that, or even um, why Deadlands is so good. You know, what do you have to teach people about westerns? Everybody's seen a good western. You're just you're just doing that, right? So. I think if you can steer away from teaching people the backstory and stuff like that and, and get them in going in that way, you're, you're better off. And also too, man, again, bringing people over, I, I, I'm, I would just rather go find people that are already interested in playing Savage Worlds rather than try and bring people over and convince them to come and play this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, seems like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just said, it just seems like too much work. And the only thing, like, I've got two gaming groups that I've already been gaming with for a while. Uh, One of them is actually pretty keen on trying new settings. So I think at a certain point I'll be able to hook them with Savage Worlds. I just need the opportunity. Because I I got them to play Dark Sun with me. It was a 5e conversion for Dark Sun. But I got them them to, to step into that crazy world that I love so much. So I think getting them at least to play a few sessions of Deadlands uh, once once the Kickstarter stuff arrives uh, shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah. Now, Eric, we, we've talked about it a couple times already, but this this uh, this wise guy setting as a huge fan of gangster movies, I am extremely intrigued by this. So uh for a little bit, could, could you kind of hold forth on, on what Wise Guys is and uh, why people should play it? Second best setting ever. <laughs> After 50 Fathoms. Right? <laughs> now, if, if I mixed both of them together, you know, <laughs> mobsters on the ship. So Wise Guys is basically, well, first the book is a setting, but it's also kind of a companion rules for modern Savage Worlds, there's a big modern bestiary in there. But the setting itself 
it, it was me asking myself the question, what if the mob had never left Vegas? Because by the mid-80s, um, the, the, it was the, the, the commission trials back in New York City from uh, led by Giuliani. And he put over 100 mobsters behind bars, some of them, the, the five big uh, godfathers behind bars. And basically everybody left Vegas and now it was taken over by uh, big corporations and they turn it into Disneyland for adults. But what if they never left and instead the the, the little soldiers, mafia soldiers – in Vegas decided to self-proclaim themselves new bosses and hire a bunch of associates. So it's not just playing, you know, Italian American guys. It can be, um, um, a showgirl who's also a stage magician or, uh, you get someone that can break vaults. Um, you get pickpockets, Elvis impersonator that can pick pockets while people take pictures with them, uh, on the street. So you get all these, these crooks working together to, you know, do, do crazy high scenes like, uh, oceans 11. That was big inspiration. Think, that but with Joe Pesci and that's basically wise guys. Gotcha. Yeah, but that... yet it's so much more. <laughs> yeah, wise guys. Is... I have I uh, Eric has uh, we we play tested a lot of wise guys while he was doing it and I tell you man I have never not played a game of wise guys that wasn't absolutely a freaking hoot. <laughs> like I the, the magician he's talking about is Linda. And I played her, and she's like a drug addict and shit. So my whole thing that I did the entire time was just try and find drugs. I was always trying to score. <laughs> and we were being chased down the street one time through like this, through like through the town on this. I don't know. I don't think it was a chase at the actual time, but it was a it was a chase scene. And she's in the back, just all high, getting chased. And I remember that I was like, I threw up in a bag and I threw it on their window as part of the chasing because <laughs> I wanted to cover the window so they couldn't see us. And and then I got kicked out of the car by one of the other players. And I ended up running through like a shopper's drug mart and they picked me up on the other side. It was spectacular. <laughs> it's so much cool stuff. Hmm. Uh, if you want to play a really good one shot of sort of wise guys that's not wise guys, Eric also wrote Forget About It, which is awesome. And I love blowing smoke up his ass because that was probably one of the... One of the first ones that I played that was sort of mafia sort of kind of a deal, but it's a simple premise. You're just a, a crew of guys that has taken this accountant that's been cooking the books for a different group of, of mafiosos for a different family. You're taking him out to the desert and you're just going to bury him. But it's just like he's in the trunk of your Cadillac. The guy that owns the Cadillac, it's his prized possession. Everybody has a thing where, they, where they've got issues with somebody that's in the party. And you're, you're in this Cadillac just driving down the road. That's how it starts. You've already got the guy. And things happen. Your tire blows. So now you're on the side of the road, right? You just make it up. And then a cop shows up. Well, this guy's still alive in the trunk. He could be banging and you got to deal with the cop. We Ours ours ended, uh, that forget about it, ended with us in a gas station having a shootout with each other because one of the players who I asked to get me Rolates from the gas station, he pissed on them in the bathroom and then fed me pissed on Rolates. And then I figured it out by the end. And we, had a, we had a shootout after we buried the body. And it was a glorious game, man. It's just, yeah, forget about it. It's amazing. I've ran that at cons um, a, a bunch of times, and uh, every every time you run it, it's different because the way Eric wrote it is there's there's things that could happen basically 
and not every game is going to be the same. So maybe the tire blew on that one. Okay, sure, let's use that. But maybe uh, uh, a cop pulls you over because uh, maybe your your tail lights out or something like that. You know, just all kinds of different things could happen. It's it's great. It was I guess it was pre wise guys, right? Is that where you got to kind of got yeah. there? Yeah. yeah, that's how I got started. And then yeah. people were like, well, when are we going to get a full setting for that? And I was like, ah, man, I don't know. I need to find an angle for it. And then did a bunch of research. And one of your players, uh, Arlene, said, uh, how come there's no female characters? And my first reaction was like, well, they're, you know, you have to be Italian and a male to be in the mafia. So what am I supposed to do? And that's when I started researching all kinds of badass female characters. And I found, you know, Quentin Tarantino movies. He's got plenty of badass female characters. And that's where the roller derby girl idea came from. And all the, you know, kind of ninja type of kill bill characters that go in there so you can play you know it's black elvis one of the pre-gen and it was one of the most fun characters ever that people love to play and they bring it together and i played him yeah winston <laughs> little deb is the roller tick the the roller skate girl can you imagine getting your face kicked in well from somebody that's wearing roller skates like <laughs> You know, she keeps the damage, man. It's crazy. It's wicked. Yeah. Now, what what I would do with a setting like that, um, I'd probably set it either in the like nineteen fifties or the nineteen nineties in in Nashville, and it would be during the various uh, booms in country music, and have the players basically be like the fixer team for a record label. There you go. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You could do well, that. Like I said, it's a it's a toolkit, so there's a bunch of rules on out of there there's even like a little guide to uh to racketeering <laughs> i mean i did my research uh, how do you hijack a truck how how do you cheat at slot machines and all that stuff is in there he's got heist rules that was pretty cool contact rules so you get to know some people and the better you treat them eventually they they're so friendly with you that you get a special perk from them almost like a magic item would give you so some guys will make bodies disappear some can you know remove a wound that's more than an hour old uh someone can reconstruct your whole face and change your identity or all kinds of guys that you meet like that. There's a deck of card, 52 of them. And, you know, you can just put them in play there and have them, have them meet the players. And if they screw up, then they, they're going to backstab them, <laughs> like give them over to another faction or turn them over to the cops. So you have to treat them well. Yeah, you can, uh, that adds a whole other cool dynamic to the game as well. Because it, you just you know you you can also be dealt these random characters, which is pretty cool. So let's say you get Getaway Driver, and it's like an adventure card is for, for um you know for Savage Worlds. But yeah. all of a sudden you're in a predicament. And you're like, I'm going to call my contact. I need a Getaway card because you're pinned down somewhere, and he'll come zipping out of nowhere and and rescue your ass, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's good. It's awesome stuff. Yeah. Still, it's 
50 fathoms, but I mean, it's good. <laughs> now you could, you could combine the two and, uh, to, to make a rush reference here, have the gangster boat trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> well, p- pirates are, are gangsters really yeah. just gangsters at sea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, d- I don't know how well that plays in this room. I am a huge rush fan as evidenced by my t-shirt, but I often find I am the lone huge rush fan in any given room, unless it's something rush related. <laughs> Especially being uh, an American in my early 20s. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird because usually Canadian bands don't really take off down in the States. Mm-hmm. But not Rush. Rush knocked it out of the park, man. Geddy Lee was pretty kick-ass. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Music. Mm-hmm. Well... Guys, we are pretty much at our, our time for the evening. What I like to do uh, at this point is just kind of turn it over to you guys for anything you've got coming up. Obviously, the podcast, uh, you, you can promote that. Any Anything you've got coming out soon, anything like that, uh, go ahead. It is uh, your time for promotion. Hmm. Well, the Wild Eye Podcast has decided and the it hasn't been announced yet. We're we're going to announce it on our next show, but people on your show get to hear it first after our patrons, of course. We're going on Twitch also, a live show. Uh, it's going to be called Wild Eye Harder, and <laughs> we're going to do some show and tell and probably have some, some guests. Some people. It's going to be more loose and an hour, no editing, no nothing, just... Uh, turn that thing on and do uh yeah become not, false not wild die hard with a vengeance <laughs> <laughs> that that's probably going to be the the uh, actual play at some point in the stream <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> carl and eric will show you all the cool crafting that they do and then i'll just be cutting out my little plastic miniatures here <laughs> My little paper ones that I made. I actually have some kicking around here, but my, I must have cleaned my desk up. So all I have is my thing I was picking my teeth with to show people. <laughs> I have some Rolaids. Were when they get missed old, on? Get... <laughs> I don't know. They were in my shorts, maybe. I don't know. Um, I do uh, more than just the Wild Eye podcast. I'm, um, I do... Um, the murder hobo show with me and my buddy uncle jay which is a, a general rpgs because i have more than just one love i like talking about role-playing games in general i more or less just like talking is pretty much what it boils down to you know not a lot of people don't listen to it but it's just me talking to uncle jay we hang out we talk about poo and stuff because we have ibs and we're old um <laughs> what else i got going on <clears throat> i have the uh, murder hobo show on youtube which is actually doing pretty good. I, I got over 1,700 subscribers on my sweet YouTube channel. Thanks to every one of them. But um, if you're interested in looking at some of the stuff that I do, you can check it out on YouTube at The Murder Hobo Show. I make cool 3D maps for Tabletop Simulator that I use to play uh, my role-playing games on. It, it is my virtual tabletop of choice. And that's what I do. So The Murder Hobo Show and my YouTube channel. And then I do stream on Twitch too sometimes. But, I mean, that's just, that's really nothing to point anybody at that's <laughs> 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 but 
about you, Carl? What do you got going on? Oh, so man, I got so much stuff. Yeah, besides 50 Fathoms. Um, <laughs> got so much stuff going on. Okay, so um, I do graphic arts and I do layouts and stuff like that for a bunch of Savage Worlds licensees and stuff like that. So one has one Kickstarter has been out there for a good two, three years now, I think. And if we finally got everything, finally got all the text and everything's done with it. It's Monster Hunters Club. Um, the backers have the PDF, the digital version of it right now. And they're going to take a look at it and see what they think. And eventually it's going to be on sale for everybody. But it's, uh, it's kind of a Goonies meets Stranger Things uh, Savage Worlds setting. Um, so that should be coming out to the public pretty soon, hopefully. Um, what else I got going on? Uh, there's another Kickstarter that's probably... Uh, going to come out pretty soon. I, I'm not going to say a date yet, but it's Dead End. Uh, they've been talking about it for years, and it's the Atomic Ninja Crew. Um, and Dead End is going to be a Savage Worlds uh, survival zombie game. And I'm doing the layout for that right now. So they're actually going to be, hopefully when they, get, they, they do the Kickstarter, the PDF will be almost ready. So, um, so that's going to be like an instant... <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I said, take my money. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, and of course, I'm part of Doghouse Rules, and we've got all kinds of Western Savage World stuff, and and of course, Trailer Park Shark Attack is over there, so you can get that on drive through. So, yeah, Absolutely. tons of stuff. Yeah, the settings I created are not uh, they're not usable in the public sphere. So, Gartar, <laughs> Gartar, that's right. It's like the Fight Club, you know. <laughs> the first rule of Gartar is not to talk about Gartar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that is going to do it for tonight's show, uh, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. I love talking about Savage Worlds, and it's it's always great just to to hear about some cool stuff going on in gaming and and step outside of the uh, kind of the box of Fifth Edition for a little bit. Yeah, well, it is. Thanks for having us. No yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's been well, fun. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys, uh, obviously this Saturday on Danishes and Dragons, uh, we are actually stepping back into the fifth edition box because I am creating uh, my character for a game that I will be playing in, which is a martial arts take on Five E. Uh, very heavily homebrewed, so there's going to be a lot of stuff to go over with that. Super excited to uh, bring that kind of new content onto Danishes and Dragons, and we'll, of course, be having breakfast together. And uh, on uh, next Monday, I'm super excited about this episode, too. Uh, Nathan Paletta is coming on, and we're going to talk about some worldwide wrestling. So, yes, I am once again on my wrestling bullshit. So uh, that's going to be a ton of fun. Hope you guys tune in for it. Uh, but... Obviously, until next time, whether your dice exploded or you got a snake eyes, I am so glad that you decided to roll your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you next time. Bye.